Last week, if you were here, <clears throat> I was all over the place. So Chris Clotworthy's answer to that is no Roven Mike. Good decision, Chris. I know it wasn't really a decision, but good decision anyway. We've been going along through John since last September. <clears throat> Jonathan will lead us to its end over the next few weeks. But this, before I go off on holidays, is my last sermon on John. And I will miss this gospel. Let me start by quoting a Jewish Zen Buddhist. The singer Leonard Cohen, before one of his songs in 1988, said this. It seems to me that when the Prince of Peace was hanging from the cross, he looked towards the heaven and cried out those immortal words, My Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he looked around him from horizon to horizon And he understood that a cosmic lever had been thrown in the universe. And nothing would be the same as it was before. And he said, consummatum est, it is finished. And he looked beneath him at the Romans and the Jews and all the mankind looking up at him with their various positions of guilt, remorse, ecstasy and difference. And he understood then finally what it was to be human. He understood that there ain't no cure for love. Let's set the scene a little bit. For six chapters or so, Jesus has been readying for this moment. We used the World Cup illustration, did we not? (laughs) In that he'd got the team And he was trying to give them that last pep talk before they went out onto the pitch for what was going to be the big game, which is where we are right now in John 19. He'd done the talk. He told them what was happening. He told them what was going to go on, where they were going to have to play, what they were going to have to do, what it was all about. And then he prayed for them. And then in John 18.1, there's a shift in the scene. From that upper room where Jesus is with his team before the battle to the moment where it shifts. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now, I had no idea we would be full of Scottish people today. But here we go. This could all get wrong. And guys, this is not your history. This is a Hollywood version of your history. I understand that. Don't put me right historically by the end of the sermon. In Braveheart, (laughs) Mel Gibson takes a liberty with the history of Scotland. But there's a wonderful moment that I love. It's actually set in the Curra, down uh, in Kildare. But Never mind that. Let's pretend it's Scotland. All those soldiers are out there. They're all painted up and they've all their kilts on and there's going to be an almighty ruckus. And uh, I suppose Wallace is a bit like Jesus was in that upper room. He's getting all the troops ready and he's on his horse and he's got the Scottish flag in his face and he's riding across them to get them all set up and everything sorted and he's ready to send them into battle. And he's got them just to that point where he's about to send them into battle and one of them says to him as he turns on his horse to go some other way where are you going and Wallace turns and says I'm off to pick a fight 
I'm off to pick a fight. A fight against injustice or a fight for freedom or whatever you might call it. But he's got his troops ready and he's off to pick a fight. Jesus is off and he doesn't need to pick the fight because the fight picks him. Disciples are lined up ready to go and suddenly this scene changes to the horror of violence that we might see in one of the war scenes from Braveheart. I love Cohen's phrase, a cosmic lever has been thrown in the universe. What we're seeing here in this chapter of John 19 is not the most important event in Christianity. It's the most important event in history. A lever in the universe is about to be thrown. Think about it. Pilate, bless him, was hoping for a more important job. Pilate was hoping that maybe if he could keep everything calm here in this little backwoods, that somebody would give him a job that might get him a place in Roman history. A couple or three years later, he's off the scene. Gone in Roman history. But in the history of the world, 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about him in Fitzroy Presbyterian Church, Pilate had no idea in this scene that it was the most important scene in the history of the world. And Pilate did two things that I want to kind of draw out here. He did two things in the reading that Patricia, not Sandra, read to us earlier. He takes Jesus out in front of the Jews again. He's trying his hardest to get this Jesus thing off his back. He doesn't want to crucify him. There's nothing wrong with this guy. He can't find anything wrong with this guy. But he takes him out in front of the crowd and he says, here's the man. Here's the man. Now let's remember that this is John editing the gospel that he wants to say and play. So in this moment where Jesus is brought out before the crowds and Pilate says, here's the man, we need to echo ourselves back to that prologue where everything that follows the prologue in those first verses of John come out in the rest of the gospel. The word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. The image of God last week we talked about as being the human image of God. Way back in the garden, When God was putting his image right there in the middle of creation, it was in the image of humanity. His image within us. Jesus came, the word become flesh. The man. The paradigm man. The incarnate word of God made flesh. The Jesus of this scene is fully human. Go on. Answer it and tell them where you are. (laughs) And tell them that Jesus is fully human, but, but, in the midst of this word made flesh, in the full humanity of this man, John has something else he wants to tell us. 
And boy does he tell it because Pilate when he puts Jesus on the cross has nailed to the cross that which he's on the cross for. Everybody got put up on top of them exactly why they were on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. Every language of the day that would say these words out across the world of the day. The lever has been thrown in the universe and the world needs to hear that Jesus is the king of the Jews. Now, there's amazing touches in this that we could go into and go on about for all kinds of uh, sermons that we're not going to get to today. We could think of that hyssop plant where that drink was passed to him. Now, in what I've been reading, a hyssop plant wouldn't be the best thing to reach up a drink with because it's pretty floppy and not hard. It just wouldn't give it. Why hyssop plant? Well, the hyssop plant was that which was used to dub the blood of the lamb on the doorpost in the Exodus. So John's telling us here again, as he's been telling us all the way through, that this is the fulfillment of the vocation of Israel. That Jesus is the Lamb of God, that this goes back to Passover and Exodus. Or what about the fact that his bones weren't broken? Because that's how they got them dead quickly. The Romans, they were a bit more barbaric. Well, the Jews might have been barbaric too, but the Romans were so barbaric, they would have left you up there to die in the most agonizing way you could. But the Jews had certain laws that they wanted to keep, so they wanted you off the cross earlier than that so they could get rid of you. So that. So what would happen is the Romans would come and in order to make the death quicker, they would break your legs. But Jesus died before they could break his legs. The lamb with no broken bones was the lamb of sacrifice and then the piercing where blood and water come out if we've been listening at all to John's gospel through this series then blood and water are incredibly important the whole way through the water of baptism the blood of the sacrament Right there in this scene that John paints so vividly in John chapter 19. But I want to come to the last words. It is finished. Let me take you back to Scotland if I can. Back to Braveheart. And that scene where Wallace is again... Gibson's playing with the history of it. But as he's dying and he shouts out in that movie, the last scream of freedom. And we move to his arch enemy, who at that moment breathes his last. It's a great, great moment. Where somebody dies for the freedom and the killing of the enemy. Happens at the same time. Now Gibson is absolutely saturated in biblical imagery and there's, I don't think, any coincidence about what's happening here. For Gibson, before he did the movie The Passion, he's got this it is finished moment 
in the middle of Braveheart. Freedom. And the enemy dies. When Jesus cries, it is finished. A lever is thrown in the universe. And history is not as it ever was before. It's been accomplished. It's done. Victory. Freedom. The Old Testament is filled with images where the suffering of Israel is that which brings redemption. We could go back, as we always do in moments like this, to Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. That comes out again in that scene that John portrays where they threw dice for his clothes underneath a cross and they're ripping up his garment into four so that they might have something to take away when a lever's been thrown in the universe above them. They don't realize or recognize what's going on above them. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and they held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. There's something in the Old Testament scriptures. Where we don't only get freed from our sufferings. But the sufferings in themselves seem to be that which would bring this redemption. A sign of Jesus who was to come. Maybe today, some here are in their Gethsemanes. Maybe some of us are wrestling with God's will. Maybe wanting another way. Sweating as drops of blood. Stressed by what is going on in our lives. Maybe some of us are in our Gethsemanes. Maybe some of us are in the governor's palaces where we're being argued against or people are speaking out against us or people are judging us falsely or maybe there's an injustice that we feel we have. Maybe some of us are even heading out to the lonely, thirsty place of Golgotha. These are places of redemption. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the sharing in his sufferings, Paul said in Philippians. And we need to know, as my friend Alan Emerson, who spoke at Fitzroy 200 on a blog he did this week about the loss of his young wife in her early 20s, when he said that he learned in the midst of it that the resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. In this moment, we talked about it last week, this new cub on the block, this new kid who's only been around for three years, preaching around the place, and nobody really in the history of the world is up against the might of Caesar. Jesus is like a little flickering candle that's about to be stamped out by the light of the empire of his day. And suddenly a lever's thrown. And the flickering light becomes the bright light that snuffs out the darkness of the world. Do we ever feel 
in our lives like a flickering little candle where everything around us is against us and we're going to be stamped out. And yet, in the midst of that, Jesus says, in his will, we can bring redemption. Christianity seems to be a flickering candle to the big strong light of atheistic power of empire. But they've been trying to snuff it out for longer than the last 20 years. It is finished, fulfilled, completed. What John's been talking about the whole way along. The right to become children of God, completed. Birth from above that we need to be born again, completed. That we should not perish but have everlasting life, completed. That we would have life and life in all its fullness, completed. That I give them the glory that you gave me, completed, accomplished, fulfilled, the lever has been thrown. It is finished. Do we still feel a bit guilty? It is finished. Do we still feel enslaved? It is finished. Do we still feel unloved? It is finished. Do we still feel a bit inferior? It is finished. We still can't find that peace. It is finished. But still we carry on as if he never came, as if he never died, as if he never cried. It is finished. The lever has been thrown. It is done. And why is it done? Let me come to conclude with a thought about why it is done. From Leonard Cohen to Mel Gibson to Bruce Springsteen. When we did the gospel according to Bruce Springsteen here, Dave Thompson sang a song called Jesus Was an Only Son. It was a song where Springsteen tried to get into the feelings of Mary on the way up the hill to Calvary. He talks about it in the Storyteller's DVD of how he was trying to sense what Mary must have thought at that point. Jesus was an only son as he walked up Calvary Hill. His mother Mary walking beside him in the path where his blood spilled. Well, Jesus kissed his mother's hands, whispered, Mother, still your tears. For remember the soul of the universe willed a world and it appeared. The last words of the song. Mother, still your tears. For remember the soul of the universe willed a world and it appeared. Jesus, and he comforts his mother indeed in this very passage as John and his mother come together. But Jesus in the song trying to bring comfort to his mother as he's on this cross and he's dying on this cross and his mother's looking at him dying on this cross and he's saying, Mum, be still. Know that I am God. Remember, we just said let there be light and there was light. We were there at the beginning of creation, Father, Son and Spirit. We willed a world and it appeared because we have creation. The word was there in the beginning. The word was God, the word was with God, the word became flesh and brought redemption. Why? So that we could have 
recreation, transformation, redemption. N.T. Wright says, this is not, in other words, simply about rescue or salvation of God's people from their present plight. It is about being rescued in order to be enthroned. I think what Wright's saying there is that yes, this death, when Jesus says it is finished, deals with my sin, deals with my lostness, deals with my enmity between me and God. When Jesus cried, it is finished, a lever was thrown in the soul of Stockman. But that's not it. Jesus doesn't die on a cross to kind of walk past me and say, oh, you're not going to die, but keep lying there. It's going to be all right. Jesus says it is finished. A lever is thrown in the universe so that we can have a redemption right throughout the world that we live in. The kingdom is going to break in. The light of the world is going to come. And we are saved to be light and to be salt and to be those who would take the glory of God on into the world. It's not two things happening. It's not my personal salvation and the kingdom of God in two departments. It's one reflex. It is finished freedom. A lever is thrown in the universe. I am redeemed to be part of the redemption of the world. It is finished. The lever has been thrown. Do we believe it? Do we live it? Let's pray. Our God, after slavery was taken off the statutes in America, people were freed from slavery. Many continued to live in slavery, unaware that by law they were free. Lord, when Jesus cried, it is finished, accomplished, Victory and freedom have been won. Many of us can just live on unaware or at least not making it a part of who we are. It is finished. The sin is dealt with. The curtain's been torn in two. By grace we can come back into the holy of holies, into relationship with God, to become part of God's vocation to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's done, Lord. May we live in the light of this cry of Christ's. The man, the paradigm man, the word made flesh, The Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. The King of the Jews has won the victory. 
May we live such a victory. May we know in the very depths of our souls that it is finished. And may we know that it is finished so that a whole new world could begin. That we could be birthed from above. That we can have life in all its fullness. That we can be interrupters of grace in the world around us. May we not just know it as a verse from the scriptures, Lord. May we know it in the depths of our being and in the impact we make in our world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.